At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. You know, before COVID, I used to do a lot of traveling. Um, And I don't know if you've done a lot of travel, but if you've done it enough, you know that once the boarding doors are closed and the jetway gets removed, the, the flight attendants stand in the aisles and they go through their safety briefing, right? Now, if you've traveled enough, You're always wondering when they go through the belt buckling and unbuckling, like, is there still someone in the world who doesn't know how to do one of those? Like a two-year-old knows how to do that, but but they go through it. And and so if you're like me, we zone out. We don't pay attention. You continue to read or you listen to your music or or you sleep through the important safety announcement. A friend of mine who is um, traveling for, for business, similar to me, doesn't pay attention to those things. Until he was on his, uh, on the, the flight was on its approach to its final destination when the pilot came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a slight problem. The landing gear is not deploying. <clears throat> we're going to have to make an emergency landing. Now, all of a sudden, the flight attendants are back in the aisle, and they're showing them how to buckle and unbuckle. And they're going through all of the different safety briefings, including the brace position. And guess what? Every single eyes and ears on that plane were in full attention mode. Why? Because it mattered. All of a sudden, where the exits are mattered. Where the life jacket is located, it mattered. Where the uh, oxygen masks are coming and, and how to put it on, it mattered. Why? Because their life depended on it. We do a lot of hearing, don't we? But rarely do we listen. We are inundated with information. In a world where we've got news apps and other apps and the information coming out, our, out of our ears, and yet very little of it goes past the periphery of our senses. That's not true just in our physical world. It's true in our spiritual lives, and it's true in church. You know, people all over the world on a Sunday like today gather together to worship God. They gather together to hear the word of God proclaimed. And the word of God that's proclaimed is the same. And yet, not everyone hears the same. Some hear the call of the Spirit in their lives and they are convicted and they accept the challenge of the Spirit. Some do not. Why is that? We are in a sermon series titled, Thy Kingdom Come, where we're exploring how the kingdom of God impacts our life And we're exploring that by looking at Mark chapters 3, 4, and 5. And and we've seen that Jesus comes on the scene and he proclaims that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, so repent and believe. And in order to prove that point, he begins to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And over the last few weeks, we've seen different responses to Jesus. Last week we saw his family thought he was nuts, that he was out of his mind. They tried to come inside the crowd to, to rescue him, to take him away from all that was going on. We saw the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, accuse him of having power that was demonic, which was what was allowing him to cast out other demons. So we've seen different responses from different people. 
that are listening to Jesus and the message, and we're finding people responding differently. We come to Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We come to perhaps one of the more famous passages, famous parables that Jesus ever told, message that you've heard countless times before. There's going to be really nothing new today as well. So it's important that we understand that parables are stories with meaning. The word parable has an English equivalent. It's the word parallel. So when Jesus is using a parable, he's laying alongside of his story something that has spiritual truth. That's how parallels and parables work. And so Jesus is going to tell us a story, a story we're all very, very familiar with. And it's a story that has to do with hearing. In fact, in Mark chapter 4 and verse number 9, Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him... Okay, the rest of you weren't paying attention. It's a really easy one, so let me try that slower for some of the rest of you. He who has ears to hear, let him... Okay. Which indicates that just because we have ears, we don't really hear. Oh, you... Especially if you have children, right? We were all children once. We don't always listen. We don't always listen. In fact, if you look at verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, To you has been given the secret, he's speaking to his disciples now, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parable, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus is starting to break up up and categorize the people that are listening to him. He says there are insiders, and then there are outsiders. The difference between being an insider or an outsider is how you hear. It's whether or not you are really listening. A parent who tells his or her child to go clean the room is expecting something. It is, that parent is not expecting them to hear that request and do nothing about it. That parent is expecting what? That you hear it and that that hearing becomes listening and that listening results in a clean room. So let me nerd you out a little bit. The Greek word for hearing is the word akuo. Can you say that with me? Akuo? Akuo. The Greek word for obedience or obey is hupakuo. You see, they're essentially the same word. They just added a prefix, the, the prefix hupa, which is our English word hyper to it. In essence, obedience is hyper hearing. So when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, what Jesus is saying, if you have ears to hear, you must hyper-hear, which means you must listen and obey. And so this parable we're going to look at has to do with hearing. And hearing is a prelude or a pattern of the state of our heart. How receptive is our heart to the word of God? And so if you're in Mark chapter 4, you know this is the parable of the sower, better titled the parable of the soils. There are four soils. Jesus is going to talk about four soils that correspond to four different hearts, and those hearts represent four different responses to the Word of God. It's a sermon you've heard countless times. But this morning, may I encourage you to check and see what the state of your heart is today. Which of these four soils 
represents you. The first soil we come to, the first heart that Jesus talks about, is the hard heart. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Skip down to verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So we're talking about a story that would be very common to the people listening to Jesus at the time. A farmer who has a field would go out during, during seeding time with a bag over his shoulders, and he would, as he walked along his field, he would grab a handful of seeds and he would scatter. Now that that is absolutely wasteful. Like this culture that we live in, one hole, one seed. Another hole, uh, are you kidding? We don't waste anything. But back then, that's not the way they did it. They would walk their fields and they would grab a handful of seeds and they would scatter. So fields in ancient Palestine were usually narrow. They were, they were narrow and long. Sometimes they were windy. And what separated a field from another field was a path. So you'd have these paths that people would walk on, that animals would would stomp on, and it would get stomped on over and over again until it was as hard as concrete. And so some of the seed that's being scattered falls on this hard, packed dirt that's as hard as concrete. And because it's so hard, that seed can't do anything but sit on the surface. And birds love it when farmers throw seed on that path because it's easy for them to swoop in and snatch that seed away. And Jesus says that there are people who listen to the word of God who have hearts just like that. Their hearts are as hard as concrete. There's no crack, there's no crevice, there's no place for the seed of God to go down deep in to establish some roots so that it can grow and produce fruit. There's lots of reasons why our hearts get hard. Our hearts can be hard because, well, people have stepped on us over and over again. Our hearts can be hard because we've allowed calluses to grow around our heart. You know what calluses are, right? They're the places in our skin that are hardened and toughened because of constant friction or pressure, right? Guitar players or or violin players have have, have calluses on their fingertips because of playing for long times. If you're a roofer or a carpenter, you have calloused hands. Your your hands are hard. And some people have calluses around their hearts calluses that are formed because people have hurt them over and over again or because they live in constant sin for whatever reason the heart is hard now most of us when we're hearing this you'll assume we're talking about somebody else you're going to think that this is talking about a person who's not saved That somebody outside the church or perhaps somebody here who hasn't received the gospel. But let me tell you that there's some of us that even after we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, our hearts can be hard too, can't they? It can happen because bad things have happened and and we feel overwhelmed. It can happen because this morning you and your spouse got into a fight about getting out of the house on time to get here for the 10 o'clock service. Or on your way in, you had a fight with your children and now you're sitting here in a huff. And the only thing you can think about is how angry you are. Now, it doesn't happen to you. It's probably 8.30 service only. But just, just, just saying. 
Just saying. Just imagine with me. Your heart is hard. So you're hearing me preach, but it's not, it's not getting anywhere because it's sitting on the surface of the hardness of your heart and it can't go deep. How do you break up soil that is so hard, hard as concrete? A jackhammer? Sledgehammer maybe? Visit any construction site. Is it painful? Oh, yes. Is it messy? Absolutely. If you have a hard heart today, won't you ask the Holy Spirit this morning to break up the hardness of your heart? Let me just say, it, it'll hurt, but so does the dentist. And yet you go back to the dentist because the dentist does a good job with the plaque, I hope. <clears throat> the Spirit of God wants to do some work in some of your hearts. Maybe use a sledgehammer or a jackhammer to break up that hard heart, not because he wants to ruin your life, but he wants that seed of God's word to find a crevice and a crack so that it can go down and produce some fruit in your life for his glory. If that's you, won't you surrender your life to Jesus today and ask him to do the work that he needs to do in you? So that's the hard heart. But the second heart we come to isn't much better. The second heart is the shallow heart. We're in verse number 5 where Jesus continues to say, <clears throat> Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Skip down to verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So here's another soil. The farmer is scattering. This seed falls on a place that has dirt. And because it has dirt, the seed is able to send some roots out. And actually, there's a reaction. There's a, there's a plant. There's an actual growth. But what we don't usually see is that in Palestine, there may be an inch or two of soil, but underneath that is hard limestone. That's where a what a large number or large areas of Palestine are. You can see dirt, but underneath that dirt is impenetrable limestone. And because there's limestone, that plant that grew can't send its roots deep enough to find water and nutrients to sustain the growth of that plant. And so when the sun comes up and the sun gets hot, this plant, because it hasn't any good root systems, is scorched, it withers, it dies. And Jesus says there are people who listen to the word of God who are just like this. Oh, there are some inches of soil. Yes, the seed of God is received with gladness. They're happy. There's excitement. There's an emotional response. But because there's no root, all of a sudden something happens. Somebody makes fun of their faith, where it's no longer cool to be a Christian, where they realize that they can't do what they used to do, and all of a sudden, they shrivel up and die, and they walk away. I wish I could say that this is a rare occasional thing, but I've seen this over and over and over again. 
Someone will go to a retreat or a conference and, and they'll be mesmerized by the worship and the message and, and they'll make a confession or a profession of faith and they'll come back and they're on fire for God and it's like, like they can't wait to tell somebody and to be in a Bible study and to share their testimony and, 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 and you see life and you see fire and you see excitement. And a couple of months go by. Something happens and next thing you know, they don't come to church, they don't come to life group, they've walked away, they've said no to Jesus. What happened? There's no root. Back in 2013, I was in a, a life group that I was leading. Back then, we called it a neighborhood group, but we had, we had a group of uh, people that we were pouring into. One of them was a, was a gentleman that I considered a friend, and he was on fire for, for Jesus. He, he loved Jesus. He wanted to be in the Word, and, and he wanted to have men uh, grow in the Word. So he got a group of us men together, and he walked us through the Every Man a Warrior series. Some of, some of you men know that. We went through the first two books together, but in 2014, I was called away to, to move to Germany and so I couldn't finish the book series with him, but he ended up finishing it with the other men who were left. But somewhere along the way, he stopped calling. Somewhere along the way, he stopped returning my phone calls. Somewhere along the way, he dropped off the face of the earth. In fact, when I came back to the States, I had to find throughout the grapevine that he'd walked away from Jesus. He'd turned back his back on the church. He walked on on his wife. He ended up marrying someone else. He's living somewhere else. All of that fire and all of that zeal, all that emotion, gone. Friends, it happens more often than we care to admit. There may be people sitting in here who, yeah, you, you come every week. You're faithful. You come on a regular basis. But that initial response, that emotional response, well, it's fizzled out. Christianity isn't as cool as you thought it was. Following Jesus is harder than you thought. And yeah, you come. But that zeal for God isn't really there. Yeah, you, you check the box. But friends, underneath that is a layer of impenetrable limestone. Rocks and stones that are choking the word of God out of your life. What do you do if your heart is like this shallow? Lord, we need to pray to the Lord that the bulldozer of his Holy Spirit will break up those stones and those rocks and get them out of our lives so that the seed of God's word can be planted in our hearts deep enough to bear fruit in our lives. If you have a shallow heart, won't you ask Jesus to break up those stones and those rocks so that his seed, the seed of his word, can go deep inside your life? That's the hard heart and that's the shallow heart. We come thirdly now to the distracted heart. The distracted heart, verse number 7, Jesus says, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Verse number 18, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But when the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is seed. This is good soil. This is rich soil. This is deep soil where the seed of God's word gets planted, but along with the seed of God's word, there's some other seeds. There are, these are bad seeds. These are seeds that are thorny and spiky weed seeds. Anybody who's ever, well, if you have a lawn, or if you've planted a flower bed or a vegetable garden, you know those sneaky weeds. If you're not paying attention, weeds can take over your, your entire lawn, can't they? Sometimes wonder if I should just plant a weed garden. It'd be just so much easier. 
Because the weeds, no matter what you do, the weeds come out of nowhere. You've got the perfect raised garden bed. It's separated from everything. And weeds, out of nowhere, just like where do they come from? They steal the water and the nutrients, and, and they go faster and stronger and taller than all the other things you've planted. You're like, where do these come from? And Jesus says, those thorns and those spiky weeds that grow, they grow up together with the plant of God's word and chokes out the plant and kills it, leaving it unfruitful. Those kinds of hearts are distracted hearts. You see, we have distracted hearts because we have Jesus and we have so many other things, don't we? We are so busy with all the things we have to do that none of us have time. We have things to do here and, and places to go there. We're so busy, we don't have time to sit and soak in God's Word. We're distracted by all of the other things that we have to get done. We're busy because we care about what people think about us. We care about our children. We care about our futures. We have all these cares. And all of these things grow and they choke us and they choke out the Word of God. How many of you have ever taken time, you've made a decision to, to read God's Word and to pray and you get up a little early in the morning and you open the Bible and you lay it on your lap or you get ready to pray and all of a sudden you hear a ding. It hasn't happened to anybody? Uh-huh. And what do you what do? you do? Uh-huh. Who was that? Oh, oh. Look at that. And next thing you know, there goes your Bible reading time. There goes your prayer time. There goes all that time you set aside. Why? We're distracted. We have so, there it is again. <laughs> and you're going to pull it out and you're going to lose seven minutes and you're like, where, where is he? What's he talking about? Thank you. It's perfect. <laughs> we have too many options. We have Jesus and we have all these other things. I was reading a story. I started a story I read a long, long time ago about a man who loved sports. He, he was an excellent athlete. He, he loved sports of all kinds, but he ended up in a tragic accident, an accident that caused him to lose his arm, one of his arms. He was devastated. He spent a great deal of time trying to find another sport that he could play, <clears throat> that he could play with just one hand. He finally found the game handball. If you don't know handball, handball is like racquetball without the racket. You got a ball about that big, it's about as hard, almost as hard as a golf ball, that you hit with your hand, and the hand is wearing a thin layer of leather. I don't know why you'd play this game, but um, it's painful, and you'd hit it against the wall, just like racquetball. But this, this gentleman picked up this sport, and he was excellent at it. He was starting to win championships at the local level, then he went to the, the state level, and he began to win championships there, and a newspaper writer interviewed him and said, how is it that you, a man with just one arm, can be so good and defeat all of these other guys who have two hands? He said, oh, that's simple. It's all about options. Newspaper writer said, I'm, I'm sorry, can, can you clarify, elaborate? He said, yeah, let me tell you. You see, when that ball comes off the wall, my opponent, my opponent has to decide which hand he's going to use. Do you get it? See, for me, the decision's already been made. He doesn't have an option. He's got one. Friends, you and I, we've got so many choices. We've got so many social media accounts. We have so many streaming accounts. And still, there's nothing on TV. We have so many distractions. And we wonder, why is it that the Word of God isn't having any effect on me? Well, duh, we have too many choices. 
we have too many options. And we're starting to figure out how we're going to manage all these. Friends, Jesus says, it's me and nothing else. Jesus said, you cannot serve Jesus and this world. you got to choose. It's got to be Jesus and no one else. If you have a distracted heart, may I encourage you to confess. What do you do in your garden when you have thorns and weeds? You grab a pair of your garden gloves and you grab your pruners and you go to work, don't you? You cut out those weeds and you cut out those thorns and you rip them out so that the plant that you planted can thrive and grow and bear fruit. Friends, the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to surrender. That he can take the pruners of the Spirit of God and cut out those weeds, cut out those options, cut out those distractions to do the surgery in your life that is necessary so that the Word of God can be planted in our hearts and actually those roots can go deep into our soul so that it can draw the water and the nutrients up and, bear, and have a plant that bears much fruit. It starts with saying, Lord, would you do something in my life? Do whatever you need to do. Remove whatever you want to remove so that I can be fruitful for you and for your kingdom. I want you to notice that both of these last two soils had a reaction. Both the distracted heart and the shallow heart both had a plant. One of them even had a little bit of fruit. But both of them ended up dying. Both of them ended up shriveled. Both of them were unfruitful, unprofitable because of stones or the other things. Friends, it tells us that an emotional response is not enough. Just hearing isn't enough. Hearing without truth that is acted upon isn't good enough. You see, Jesus didn't call us just to make a conversion. He called us into a life of discipleship. Jesus didn't just call us to make a decision for Jesus. He called us to be a disciple of Jesus. There's a vast difference between the two. Just making a decision isn't enough. That decision has to center into your heart where the truth of God is applied, learned, nurtured, so that the plant of God's word can grow and bear fruit. And that's what the last heart tells us. In fact, the last heart is the fertile heart. Verse number eight, Jesus says, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Skip down to verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Jesus has gone 0 for 3, and we're finally at the fourth soil, and it's finally good. It's good soil. It's rich. It's fertile. It's deep. It doesn't have the hardness of concrete. It doesn't have rocks and stones. It doesn't have other seeds that that bring forth thorns and thistles. It's rich, fertile soil, and the seed goes in, and a plant comes out, and this isn't reaction, this is transformation. This produces fruit. You see, a farmer in Palestine would typically expect eight or tenfold harvest. They would be happy with that. Jesus says, the seed of God's word planted in your heart in rich soil produces 30 or 60 or 100-fold. That's tremendous. Why? Because this heart has nothing to distract it. Do you realize in verse number 8, this is the first and only time Jesus has used the word into in this parable. It's the only time. 
And that word into, when the seed falls into our heart, means that we receive God's word, that we accept God's word, that we digest God's word, and that we do God's word. And as a result of doing all of that, there's fruit. That is what Jesus says is the fertile heart. So, what's fruit? What's fruit? Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is... Help me out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Some of you know this. Praise God. That's fruit. That when you spend time in God's word and when you allow the word of God to soak into you, as those roots go down, there's water and there's nutrients for that plant to be energized, to grow, to thrive. But that's not the only fruit. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, that we might do them. It's not just about being. Our being, who God wants us to be, energizes and powers our doing. You see, this is the same thing Jesus said back in Mark chapter 3, which we studied a couple weeks ago, that Jesus called his disciples to be with him. So that he could send them. The being and the doing go together. This fertile soil is soil that allows the word of God to soak into us. To nourish us. To change us. To impact us. That's why it's so important that we spend time in our life groups talking about the word of God. That's why it's important to be part of your men's or or women's Bible studies talking about, discussing, digesting the Word of God because that's how we can help the Spirit of God to drive the roots of that seed down into our lives so that the plant can thrive and bear much fruit. Friends, how is your heart this morning? Are you here today and perhaps it's hard, it's the Word of God just bouncing off? Nothing's penetrating, it doesn't make any sense, there's no interest. Or is your heart full of stones? There's that impenetrable layer of limestone that's keeping this seed of the word of God from having any effect. Perhaps we're just so distracted. Too many things on our plate. Too many things to do. Not enough time to be who God has called us to be. Perhaps you're here today and you've never heard the gospel before. You've never accepted Jesus Christ before, but we're so glad you're here. You see, Jesus took those thorns that we talked about, and he wore them on his brow. He was nailed to a wooden cross, and he was buried behind stone-cold rock. But three days later, he rose from the dead as victor over sin and death. Amen? And he invites everyone to believe in him, that those who would confess their sins and believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who paid the penalty for their sins can be saved. That their hearts that may be hard can be broken up so that the word of God can be planted so that a thriving plant can come in its place and much fruit can be produced. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, there will be people at the front of the auditorium after the service who would love to pray with you, who would love to introduce Jesus to you would love to answer your questions. Won't you take the time to come and to make Jesus Lord of your lives? Brothers and sisters, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, it's always good for us to do a soil check. 
What does a soil test reveal about the state of our heart? Which of these four soils is our heart today? You see, Jesus is looking for people who will surrender their lives and who will say, Spirit of the Lord, would you do whatever you want to do in me? To remove what needs to be removed. And Lord, there's a lot in my life that needs to be removed. Lord, would you add into my life what needs to be added? Would you do the surgery that is required so that I might be a child of God who bears much fruit for you and for your kingdom? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen? Father, we thank you. Thank you for the love that you had to save us. That you didn't stay in heaven in the splendor of your holiness, but you came. You came into this dark, dreary, sinful world to be one of us. And you came so that you could die. Die not because you were guilty, but because we were guilty. Die for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done to rescue us out of a kingdom of darkness and to bring us into the kingdom of light. Father, there may be people here this morning who don't know you. May today be the day of salvation as they come and surrender their lives to you. And Father, for my brothers and sisters, that wherever they find themselves this morning, whatever the state of their heart, that today they would confess, that they would surrender, that they would ask your spirit to move in their lives. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.